You're actually the, the first guest on uh, the rebranded podcast. Uh, hashtag, oh, hashtag all podcasts matter. I'm your uh, host, Panther5000, and today I'm interviewing uh, Jay Gray, a.k.a. Uh, <laughs> Monk. How you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Anytime, anytime, anytime. Um, we out here in this indie, indie struggle is real. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we trying to eat, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so our, our origin story is we kind of ran, ran afoul of each other on Twitter. Yeah, and uh, we just started chatting it up, and I was like, "Well, do you do you want to be uh you want to be a guest on the show?" I'm like, "All right." Uh, I, I listened to some of your tracks, and I'm like, "All right, I can di- I can dig this. I can dig this. We have like a, a mutual uh love of Thundercats, so I'm like, okay, okay, we got that in common. Let's do this." Yeah, yeah. I was I was listening to the podcast, and I noticed that you uh you guys were talking about things that I'm passionate about was computers, video games, music. And some other uh, other counterculture stuff that I that I, I've been involved with for so long. I mean, I go back to the Commodore 64 days, man. We used to, you know, we used to. Pro- when I was a kid, I'm telling my age now, but people don't know my age because, <laughs> like you said, black don't crack, right? Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but I used to program my own games on. I think it was a TI computer and a Commodore 64. We used to use, and I would program like when I wanted to program a Star Wars game. What I would do is program it as a word game, so it would it would say things like, "Your battleship has sustained 400 points of of damage. What is your cho- decision?" So we had to program in the basic language, so we still had to put like random number generators and you know a mathematical computations into the game, but we didn't have graphics, right? So we 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 programmed them as word games, and then we we stored them on on, on magnetic tape, and so to load your game up. I remember, I remember sitting in my room as a kid listening to eh, eh, for like 15, 20 minutes to get my little word games loaded back up into my computer so I could play them again. <laughs> I wonder pretty, how many other people out there still remember that those days. <laughs> that's pretty tight. definitely taking it back to, to the old school. Oh, yeah. Old school, man. 64, 64K, you know. Taking it back to the good old days of uh, Run, Run DOS. Run. I think that. I think the yeah run dogs. I think the, the computers they went to uh, the moon with. I looked this up once. I want to say if I remember correctly, they weren't any stronger than 4K. They got us to the moon. That's pretty. It wasn't great. anything strong. That's pretty. Great. And now we we can go to what another dimension with these cell phones. Yeah, <laughs> That's the case, right? They must we go get, to a wormhole. <laughs> and nuclear power in our pockets at this point. Oh my god! Compared to that, yeah. <laughs> so I want to get into a little bit of your uh your musical origins. Oh yes. Um. Well, I guess first of all, let's start with like, how, how, where'd you come up? Where'd you grow up? Where were you born? Okay. Where, where did you, I, uh, where'd you discover yourself? I grew up in northwest Louisiana, north of Shreveport, a little town called actually Vivian, but I went to high school. I was born in Shreveport. My father was a Marine, so we moved around a little bit. I was in North Carolina when I was three, but I was born in Shreveport. I, uh, one of Kurt Cobain's, Kurt Cobain's, um, uh, favorite singer, Muddy Waters, uh, was born probably, I want to say no more than 30 minutes where I, where I grew up at places. But these are, these are names people haven't heard. Belcher, Austin. But, you know, artists like Hurricane Chris are from that area. You know, Hey Bay Bay, that's the guy from, I want to say Texas, but he used to DJ in Shreveport. So that's yeah, the yeah, area yeah. we talk about. The Hey Bay Bay area of, of hip hop. Not the, uh, you know, that's, that's a whole, uh, cash money. That's a whole other. <laughs> Oh, no, the story, you know, North Louisiana story in hip hop isn't as deep, but when it comes to things like blues and, you know, different types of music, we are deep, you know, like Muddy Waters came from that area. So I grew up in that area and went to a school of arts. 
I think I told you the same school. I mean, I, 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 I people, I don't like name drop, but sometimes it, it lets people know where you come from. But you know, Brian Blade, yeah, we went to the same high school, and um, I got some, got a funny story about that actually, but I won't tell it. <laughs> it's about a story about me trying to get on one of my shows one time, but it didn't, didn't quite work out. But because uh, <laughs> I started out in high school playing piano, and then I started um, you know, studying jazz music uh, at, uh right after my college days. Sorry. And that's what the same time I started. Sorry, one, one I second. Sorry about that. I used to have a corso and a wine rider, so I know the dogs can get kind of kind of rowdy. <laughs> she's she's a bar- she's a barker, you know. Um, she's a uh, <laughs> Australian cattle dog. Right here. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the wife just just got home, woke the baby up, but she'll she'll, she'll get him. Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry about that. We're we're really. Yeah. I sent, I sent my wife out and my and wife and my son out. I was like, y'all making too much noise. Y'all gotta go fast. <laughs> <laughs> Tyrant, right? But I'm like, I can, you know, I'm trying to. You can't talk with kids screaming in the background. <laughs> like, like, keep it down out there. I'm on the internet. Yeah. I'm talking to my internet. He's gonna mess with quiet out there. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the ether, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, but yeah. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, north Northwest Louisiana, uh, Shreveport. Uh, I used to spend time in Dallas, Texas. I actually got involved in hip hop because my parents were separated when I was probably like maybe my maybe ten or eleven, twelve years old, and my dad moved to Dallas, Texas. So he would come and get us. He would take us to Dallas, Texas, and when I was in Dallas, Texas, that's kind of where that the kind of hip hop that I listen to more so now was really occurring. And you know, we would go to the park. I mean, I'm kind of like unofficially a real b boy because I remember my brother. We would go to the parks in Dallas, and we were kind of like the country kids, you know. But we would hang out, and we were <laughs> athletic kids, you know. So we, they'd be pop locking and spinning on cardboards. And I remember those days, and we'd get in there. And people were looking at break-in and turbo and all that. And people were wearing the, the, the sweatsuits, the, the kind of shiny sweatsuits and trying to, we'd be in the mirrors all day, pop locking, trying to get our moves straight. And people don't notice this, but if they look at some of my videos, like, uh, the one I did in Berkeley on top of, uh, on top of Campano Court, uh, I did a, I did a video for a song called Rude Boy. And the dancing I'm doing that kind of like crumping, it kind of goes back because like in a day I used to try to do that and I kind of never really, in high school, I, I was athletic. I took gymnastics. My high school was a school of arts, so I could study gymnastics and piano and things like Latin. It was a kind of, a, you know, I think some of the schools in Berkeley are kind of like that. They have a non-traditional curriculum, but they expose us to stuff, you know, uh, like that, you know, like being able to study a real piano in high school. I've, I, I didn't know this, but that's not really, you don't usually get to do that in high school. You can take choir or if you're in band, you can play a wind, a, a wood a, a wind or something like that, but usually you can't get on the piano. But at any rate, the same, the same high school Brian went to, uh, it's a magnet school in Shreveport called Cattle Magnet High School. And then after that, uh, after I went to college, uh, and then, uh, graduated professional schools, <clears throat> when I was in New Orleans, I started doing, uh, uh, production and spoken word. I really didn't know it was production then, cause back then the computers weren't really, we didn't have like Logic and Pro Tools. I remember the first song I ever produced. It was, uh, I took the first part of Sade's song, uh, uh, Couldn't Love You More. That loop, I cut that up on a, basically a wave file. I forgot the program, but it was like an old, it was a, uh, oh, what kind of computer was it? Oh, I can't remember. It was like a uh, Packard Bell. It was a Packard, it was a Packard Bell computer. Yeah. Oh, Packard okay. Bell was in the yeah. yeah you take, you're taking it back. They, they had wave file editors on there. And so I figured out that I could put Sade's song in there and chop the first part that couldn't love you more. And I figured out how to loop it over and over. And then, uh, you know, I basically made a song with the backbeat to, to that loop, the first thing I ever produced. And my friend, 
who's actually one of my friends. I won't say his name because he'll kill me, but he was actually, he, he trained under Ben Carson, okay? He's a smart really? guy, right? I've uh, <laughs> <laughs> been in my house. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you look back at your history, and people don't know how, it's way more bizarre than any movie could ever portray, you know, because we're sitting in my house with, with this, you know, Sade song that I chopped up. I didn't even know what production was, and I'm sitting there. We had, like, my webcam set up, and I'm sitting there freestyling on the, on the cam, and uh, and he's like going, yo, Jimmy G, Jimmy G, <laughs> and I'm sitting there freestyling because I had already been uh, doing wordplay my whole life. The other part of that story is like when I was in eighth and ninth grade, I used to win, I used to win contests, uh, countywide contests for poetry, you know, because I was writing then. We used to write these crazy stories, and I was doing poetry. And when, then after that, when I went to New Orleans, that's when I got involved in the spoken word scene. So all the elements were there, but they were kind of disparate, you know. I had dabbled in production. I had studied piano. I had studied poetry from a young age and written, you know, so all the elements were there. But for them to come together, you know, it would take years of um, being exposed uh, to different types of music, you know, including jazz, which I eventually went back uh, after I had already graduated from college. I said, you know, if I'm going to really do this music thing, the way I approach things is probably left brain. You know, I said, I want to understand music theory, you know, as, as well as I can. So I went back, put three more years in studying music theory and piano performance because I knew that, uh, when I was hearing, you know, the era of hip hop I came up in, especially like Diggable Planets, uh, Brand New Heavies, uh, Tribe Called Quest. These were songs that were heavy. Yeah, they sample, but it was a lot of a jazz element to it, you know, yeah, uh, we'll call it neo soul now, whatever that means. Af you know, Afrocentric so raps. Afrocentric, yeah. <laughs> the soul ain't really neo, but okay, you know, <laughs> it's like soul's been around, but people call it, you know, yeah, Afro, Afro, uh, centric music and, but heavy on harmony and keys. So I knew that, uh, you know, it what, uh, percussion obviously is, is the basis of a lot of this music, but there was a, another element that you have to master, I think, if you're really going to be, um, True to it, uh, and, and you could do it by ear too. I mean, if you look at the history of blues and jazz, a lot of people learned uh, by ear. Uh, one of the European artists I met before, he said him and his brother used to just memorize American records. He's a professor in Houston somewhere. Uh, uh, Stefan, a pianist, great pianist, Stefan Carlson, if I'm not mistaken. But he said, yeah, him and his brother would, would memorize American records, and so you know that school is, is just as valid as somebody going back to school. It's just that I had I, I had I had that available to me, so I took advantage of it. As opposed to just, uh, sitting up all day and transcribing records. And I wish I had a trend, uh, tra uh, known by transcribing at an early age, cause I probably have a better ear than I have even now. But then, you know, after the spoken word came together, uh, and then me going back and studying, uh, music theory, uh, I finally started really, really getting into, uh, <clears throat> getting into producing. And that, even that story is kind of bizarre. Cause I was in the middle of nowhere in Montana before I moved to, uh, the Bay. And, um, I was in my basement. And uh, I had actually bought a grand piano. I was living in this house after I got out of college by myself in the middle of nowhere. I had him ship a grand piano five hours away to my house. And wow. the only thing in my living room was this big grand piano. <laughs> and I started back writing and playing and, uh, 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 you know, getting back into, into the hardcore, uh, you know, music. Uh, that's how I did it. I, I was in the basement experimenting on a Zoom. I was using a Zoom, uh, one of those big uh uh digital recorders because they they didn't really have dedicated machines at that time for just production like workstations per se like we have now for your computer you had to buy a separate machine like if you want a sample you got to buy an akai if you want to record you get a zoom if you want you know everything was all separate as, as opposed to now and so uh <clears throat> i was um doing uh piano studies 
and I was doing production. And then uh, I actually had a, um, a a teacher before I went back to college. He he remotely uh, it's kind of crazy because he would uh, give me uh, lessons via video as far as my piano performances. And he was uh, he taught me a, a method of improvisation on the piano uh, that I still use to this day. And uh, after that, I said, well, he I think he's taking me about as far as he can. We did that for about a year. And then that's when I went back to MSUB, uh, Montana State, and uh, Dorothea was my my piano teacher there. Shout out to Dorothea, a great piano teacher. But uh started studying the theory there. And I was still producing, but at that period I was focusing on um just learning the uh uh my acts again. And around that time I started going to a lot of Stanford uh summer workshops. Right. And that's why I started meeting people like Dana and, you know, uh Ambrose and Taylor. Shout out to Taylor Ixty, probably one of the coolest people I ever met because he really uh you know, Taylor it just uh is very approachable. Taylor's a great jazz pianist. I mean, he's he's been he's been on the scene for a second and uh has done some great work. And uh when I met him at the Stanford Jazz Workshops, he's just somebody that I could approach. I mean, all those guys were like that, but for some reason me and him and Dana too, we just hit it off and I could approach him even, you know, even later in life. And even now if I if I approach Taylor, he's just he's just that cool guy. I think Taylor grew up in Menlo Park, I think. Uh, but for like five or six years, or maybe even, I think five, six, seven years, every summer I was going to those. And then, uh, probably after year four or five, I had went back and started studying the piano. And so that's why I always tell people, like, my basis for approaching hip hop music is blues and jazz, because that was the framework that I really felt like I, I, I could grasp, you know, uh, whenever I, I sat down and said, how am I going to write a song? The first songs I ever wrote really sounded like me doing 12 bar blues trying to put hip-hop sound to it. And I didn't realize at that time that you can't just slam things together like that, you know. <laughs> you so is, your own. is that how you made the uh, transition from, like, jazz to rap? You just figured, like, you were more suited for more hip-hop uh, style production as opposed to jazz? Or what? What? what, what, what basically what made you make that transition to, to rap? That's a good question. Wow. Because um, I've thought about that myself often and answered myself to my, in, in my own uh, mind. It was, it was, it was growing up in a period when I was hearing, you know, uh, Duran Duran, uh, Prince, uh, Run DMC, uh, all these different musicians in my house playing all the time, yelling at my brother, like, quit scratching up my records, cause he was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> scratching up my records, like my, 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 uh, uh, Tears for Fears records, he's like, shout, shout, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, you're messing up the needles, you know, but that was, <laughs> that's kind of like, Really, where this stuff started. I wonder if some, sometimes if the, if the younger crew, the millennials, I wonder if they really realize how how organic and how analog this whole thing started, you know. But uh, it was it was equal compositions of that. And honestly, if you go to New Orleans uh, where I trained at, and if you go to North Louisiana, we really do hear a lot more R and B than we hear jazz. So really, for me, really listening to jazz was sort of like a, a left brain intellectual. Saying, how am I gonna approach this thing? And, uh, when I was in college, you know, one of my friends, uh, his father uh, was Marzette Watts. And, uh, I started listening to more jazz when I hung around him and his family. Marzette was an avant-garde, uh, jazz artist. And, uh, me and Eli in, in, uh, in, in pro professional school started doing production together too. And, uh, he actually had a pretty successful, uh, funk group in Nashville. Uh, I, I don't know if they still are active at this point in time. But it was, uh, professional students, uh, basically jamming out and doing funk and, uh, uh, some hip hop. And, uh, that's kind of like when, when I start listening to his dad's music and I start 
listening to uh, the people that he had collabed with, and I, I'd already I'd already been exposed to jazz anyway, but that made me give it a closer listen because I had never really one. A lot of this is like when you meet people from certain from certain um, uh, disciplines. Like I met a, a real jazz man, hung out with him, listened to his music, and then I was like, whoa! And, and the cool thing for me was Marzette was was producing. He was using Cakewalk, and I want I don't know if he used Pro Tools or not. But I was looking at like a, a jazz man who's in the history books that at the late late part of his career he he had completely started dabbling in production. So you know any person who plays jazz and, and tells me it's not valid to produce and believe me i've heard this before trust me i've had people i went to school with be like well why'd you produce that song why didn't you get people together and play it i mean yeah it, people will go there they're like oh yeah i i expected that the attitude was out there because i've been around jasmine for a minute and i knew that i know you have the purists that just want to you know I mean, one time I was, uh, I was hanging out with um, uh, Robert Glasper, and he was telling me about how how large um, uh, uh, a collection of hip hop that uh, uh um, oh what's his name uh Jason Marsalis uh you know the drummer uh, Ellis's younger youngest son like he had a huge hip hop collection. I mean, I I just remember this story because I was in Seattle listening to him play before he really blew up, and I was hanging out with him. Dude's totally cool, and he and we were talking about all different things. He's like, yeah, Jason has a huge hip hop collection. I wasn't really shocked. But it also some of those things inform me that yeah people listen to this music who in, in different uh, you know jazz men per, per se who you would think wouldn't necessarily listen to it him being a young guy I'm not surprised that he listens to hip hop but I uh, I also know that there are people that are purists that will that will say well if you're gonna play jazz it should be played this way you know and you should have a trio or a quartet and you should have you should have done these things. Before you try to do jazz, you should have transcribed this many records. You know, I mean, I, I you know, <laughs> one thing about going coming up in academia, uh, in sciences more so than music, is that I, I I'm used to that attitude. But then again, I also watch uh, movies uh, about Blaylock and Thomas, where I see that the guy who's in the lab doing the, uh, the experiments with the dogs teaches the Vanderbilt surgeons, you know, how to do the surgery because they don't know how to do it without his expertise. So you can't have you know one without the other, and jazz and jazz by very its very nature is an improvised music that comes from slaves that was coupled with European classical music. So already you know how, how are you going to give one weight to one thing more so than the other? You know, if all you have is the beat, then you have the music. I mean, you can add the other elements per se whenever you know, whenever, or, or you can just have. I mean, to, to me, percussion by itself is music. I don't care if you have any harmony or melody at all in it. If you just have a big, huge orchestra percussion. I mean, that's music. I mean, drums are tuned. People forget that. You tune your drums to a certain key. You know, <laughs> it's not just like a big membrane that you beat on until. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. a lot of people don't know that. That's true. That's true. Oh you know, yeah, you tune your drums. So it was. It was really, honestly, it was me being true to myself and saying that, yeah, you know, uh, you know, a left brain approach to music, and you you can continue that. But when you set out on this journey, you're, 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 the whole reason you studied, uh, jazz music was because you wanted an approach to approach the music, period. It wasn't just that you want to be a touring, uh, jazz musician. Because I started back in my late 20s, I think, studying jazz, and that's late for a jazz man. Most of them will continue through their early teens, throughout their 20s, perfecting it. 
and not take a big break. So, you know, as far as the technical aspect, I mean, I can play piano. I'm good. But there's a technical level that you won't ever get to if you don't do it from five years old continuously until, you know. And so that technical, I mean, given respect to that, I told myself that, um, you know, do I want to spend. Uh, it's funny because when I, I said, I said, well, if I keep doing, if I keep studying at this level, probably when I'm like 60, you know, I'll be able to play with, uh, you know, these high level jazz musicians. And whether that's true or not, I, I, I don't know. But, you know, they got the whole 10,000 hours thing. I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe it's not true. But I, they said, I, I subscribe to that, the 10,000 hours theory. So yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's some validity to it. I think if you did an experiment, you would probably get significant numbers and it would say like, yeah, you need a certain number of hours on an axe before you can really, uh, say you've, you've anywhere near mastered it. But that being said, uh, <clears throat> to create music period, uh, of any sort, uh, there's a way you can approach it where you don't have to be a virtuoso, but you have to have, have, have had a certain amount of technical, uh, expertise, uh, imparted by whatever practice you're doing. And at that point, you can make a decision to, to branch out and tell your story. So for me, it was more about getting a certain level of technical expertise on my instruments being keyboards and production and then taking my story and start telling it. And then throughout, throughout the process, keep honing my craft. So I still practice piano and I still, you know, produce all the time, which that's how I create music. So yeah, but I, I still hear within the years of, uh, of practice that I put in, I can still hear my art form, uh, evolving, which it, that's sort of verified internally that, yeah, you were right because I go all the way back to the very first song I ever produced. And then I go to up here to songs like, uh, Rumble Young Man Rumble and, and Rude Boy and things like that that I produce. And I can see a huge amount of growth, uh, over the period, you know. And so I'm happy I stayed true to myself and that I didn't have a bourgeois attitude toward hip hop because honestly, you know, what I hear and see now, I think they need, you need more. I personally believe you need more people like me that are true to really what they love, but they're, they're just afraid. They're like, well, I don't want to be looked at as some turned up person that's ghetto. So I think I'll just do this kind of music <laughs> exclusively and I won't ever put my name on that. I'm like, no, I mean, uh, you know, uh, 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 is his name VJ, VJ Iyer, who did the historicity album, the Harvard professor? VJ did, uh, VJ, uh, did, uh, hip hop production. I, I remember reading it once in one of his Facebook, uh, blogs or something that, that before he did, uh, his, uh, jazz, uh, uh, groups, he was working with, uh, hip hop before. And he's very open minded about it too. I love reading. I've only interacted with him like you on Twitter. I never really spoke to him personally, but I do know that a guy that's at Harvard teaching, you know, you know, black African music or jazz, whatever you want to call it, um, has in his journey also had a significant contribution or at least uh, participation in hip hop. And so it's not unheard of, you know, it's not unheard of at all. But yeah, it's, 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 it's rare. I think because just the, the nature of each beast, one, usually you grew up in this demographic and usually hear this and usually do this. And the other one, this is usually what happens. And there's a gap, you know, and there's some overlap, but not a, a lot of overlap. But probably more than I imagine. I mean, I th- I, there's probably more than a few uh, uh, men that have studied uh, music, period, not just jazz, that have crossed over and, and started doing production and, and hip hop. Uh, not huge, but I, they got they got to be out there. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually glad you said that because that, that kind of brings me to my next question. Um, now, you, you obviously you studied many years in jazz. Uh, you said you listened to like Duran Duran growing up. 
what are some of the artists that you you would like to work with? Like like I guess like your your, your dream list of artists that you would like to put on the project. Oh, that's crazy! Wow. Uh, honestly, if I could do it, like if I had the money and resources, you just cut me loose and said, "Do it the way you want to do it." I'd probably go get people like Robert Glasper, uh, and producers like uh like Timberland, that level of producer. Put them with people like Glasper who are that level of instrumentalist, and uh put them with uh artists like uh. Oh yeah, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know the guy who works with Glass for uh, Bilal. People like Bilal. Yeah. Bilal stays. He's, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, guy. He can sing opera. I mean, he's like, you know, <laughs> I would get like Bilal and uh, somebody like uh, Childish Gambino on an album. You know, <laughs> with Robert Glasper. That would be tight. That would be tight. Timberland on the production. So I would, I would put together such. Crazy elements that there's no way you would hear anything you've ever heard. You know, Tribe's got a new album. I'm, I haven't heard that yet, but I hope they took that approach. That and I heard them. I read the interview they did. They said trying to do, go places we haven't been before. In the nature of jazz, the word the word improvise means to improve, and I learned that from my studies. Like that's what the word means. Take something, make your contribution, but improve it. And that's not happening with all the, of our music nowadays. We're not really improving it. Uh, even if we are improvising on the mic or whatever you use, mic or an axe or a horn or whatever, but I would put together people like that at that level. But and um, who else would I put in there? Man, um, uh, I may I may even uh, do some tracks with some old blues man. Like I go get Taj one of my friends Taj Mahal and bring him. Uh, he actually lives in the Bay actually a lot of times that's where I met him. But uh, get him on like some of the some of the guitar. Even, even if I uh, didn't have him play a full uh, set per se, and even if you sampled some of what he's playing, like I would take some of that element, the DJing element, and sample element, and still use that. I wouldn't just throw it out because you know uh, it, it's valid. That's it's a way you can create music. I mean, it's, it's using to me, it's using the computer as an instrument more or less. I mean, because there's a way you can do it that sounds good, and a way you can do it that doesn't sound good. Um, and, and when I was in Berkeley, we did shows. Uh, uh, with my boy Clifford, shout out to Clifford Brown III. We would do shows around, uh, Cafe Yesterday. And we would have, uh, you know, me on keys, uh, going between keys and microphone, him on horn, uh, bass player, drummer. Uh, and I think we had an element of live DJing in it too. And I've seen other cats do shows like that with, uh, you know, I love Portishead, uh, that group, uh, Tricky. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yo, man, I love, you know, uh, uh, mezzanine is one of my favorite. I play mezzanine probably weekly. I have probably for the past year or two at least one or two tracks off mezzanine. You know, <laughs> I can't get enough of that album, man. Uh, and so, uh, that whole, that whole sonic experimental uh, part of it as well, I would try to incorporate into, uh, into it. I don't know how per se, but that's the whole joy is like, it's like you have to go study like how did Portishead get that sound? If you really want to know how they got their sound, you not only got to listen to Portishead and Tricky albums, you got to kind of dig into like what does Tricky produce on? What does he use? You know, does he use you know uh, you know uh, DAWs or et cetera, et cetera? But if you get uh, a certain, like, my understanding is even that group, even uh, even uh, the Massive Attack group, after their first couple of albums, it kind of it fell apart because to keep that level of artistry together with that many geniuses and together is hard. 
everybody wants to do their own solo projects, you know. But if I could keep people like like that group I just listed together, even for one or two albums, I mean, I'd be happy because I'm like, I know whatever they produce, whatever came out of that would be, you know, like like what happened with, with with Mezzanine and Massive Attack. You know, we have a whole new genre of music created. And I think now that's what's happening is people are afraid to innovate because, uh, you know, I've dealt with the industry a little bit, a little bit, you know, and it's they they kind of have this formulaic approach when, when like when they contact you they they want to see certain social media numbers they want to hear a certain uh, sound that they know sells they they've turned it into a mathematical formula which okay yeah you can do that <laughs> but it's also a mathematical formula for how a bacteria will kill you I mean so just Pretty everything being applied <laughs> applied to applied to mathematics because it works doesn't mean it's you know I mean. Jasmine took risks. They took risks. Ornette Coleman, you know, one of the fathers of avant-garde jazz, you know, when, when, when he started playing his music, people, I heard Ornette used to get thrown out of cafes. I heard, I heard stories like, uh, Charles Mingus, like, like, with, like, like really browbeat him over it at first. And then later on, I heard Mingus started liking it, but he took some flack for, for creating that kind of music. And now you listen to it and it's just some of the most brilliant music you've ever heard. Him and Eric Dolphy, man. I mean, I haven't heard any artists like them ever in history. That includes the classical guys. I mean, so it's got to be a way with the technology and the technical expertise I see out there uh, with with people who still uh, play all forms of music. There's got to be a way to form a bridge, you know. And I think it's going to take people that aren't afraid to say, yeah, I like uh, Plyce. But I like Bach too. So is that me? <laughs> you know? Is that wrong? No, no. I, mean, I should be. People got You got to have variety in life, man. You got to can't eat the same thing every day. You got to hear different things every day. You're right. You're right about that. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you have in heavy rotation in your uh, your disc, man, in your Sony Walkman right now? Okay, I'm gonna keep it real. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn on my iTunes right now and tell you. I'm gonna read down the list of what's on there. Okay, this is what's on my uh, my iTunes right now. I got Big Sean's, uh, finally famous on here. The Dana Stevens Quintet, uh, Drake, if you're reading this, it's too late. Then I got the Drake and Future album. I got my album, Rock and Mark. <laughs> <Then, uh, laughs> gotta have your own stuff. Gotta have my own stuff, DMT Flows, which I did with Sadat X. Uh, The Game, I got his new album on there. Uh, Honey Cocaine, who I worked with. Uh, Janae Aiko, King Lil G, Meek Mill, Kazi, who's from, uh, Who's from uh, Great Britain? Uh, got plays on there. Uh, Wiz Khalifa, U2, Trap Killers. Trap Killers be killing it. <laughs> I listen to them quite a bit. <laughs> now, uh, I'm, I'm getting, we're getting ready to go see your show. Uh, me and my co-host is Damone on Friday. Uh, oh yeah. How would you How would you describe your music? Oh, Saturday, right? It's uh with J- Joe Boone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's Saturday. Jump, uh, yeah, jump off Joe Budden. So one of my favorite rappers too. I never mispronounced his name. Hope he doesn't kill me for that. So, but see, it's after you learn Latin. See, I learned the pronunciation. I e o u. But uh, I, I would say, you know, my music is uh, more or less a blues man who's, who's experimenting uh, with the, with the electronic uh, sounds uh, and avant-garde music. Uh, I would say, you know, because of my because of my exposure to the young the young music that's out there now and being from the south and hearing UGK and Three Six, like when they first came out, like uh, that was that that the use of trap, uh, which I've done for several albums, is sort of like a historic thing for me because I I heard it evolve, 
and also the percussion. I like, I just like the sounds of that. So it's, so to mix a, a blues or a jazz, uh, melody or harmony with electronic instruments, whether it be on a workstation or whatever, with that type of percussion, to me, just gives you a lot of possibility. I don't, I don't think that we've completely exhausted like where that style of music, the music we call trap or trip hop, sometimes people call it, or, or whether it be, uh, the music in Great Britain, uh, uh, um, Grime. 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 Thank you. Having a moment. <laughs> we, we, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't exhausted the possibilities yet. It's just, there's no way. There's sonically, there's too many places you can go with it. Uh, and so I think people with different backgrounds like myself being in blues and jazz and then growing up with a lot of 80s, 90s sounds, taking those melodies and those sounds and mixing it with that. Like at some point I may, I may wake up and say, uh, you know, I don't want to really use 808s anymore. I want to try a lot of instrumentation or a different kit, you know, but I'll still probably have, you know, blues based, jazz based melodies and harmonies. Um, even the way, the way I play harmony with the piano, I mean, it's basically uh, Bill Evans and his crew invented that, that, that way of playing chords, you know, and I just thought that those lush sounding soulful chords will go with anything, you know, when you do a house, whether, whether I arpeggiate those chords and put them into a, a sort of a, a house, type of a mix or whether it's over you know something that's more traditional the soul or blues there's so many different approaches to it so i would definitely call myself a, a avant-garde blues uh electronica man more or less <laughs> who's like just still trying to find his sound you know i mean i love i tell you i love what's in rotation also are sounds like uh uh people like james blake i've been listening to him uh just just a real unique approach and I, I could hear his his evolution because at first he was doing more kind of a European techno house trip hop kind of style, and then he evolved more into a soulful sound. But that's just one approach too, you know. So th- there's people out there right now doing it that that show me that, uh, you know, if you just stay true to the the course and learn the music, uh, the electronic uh, gadgets that we use to create the music with will still lend themselves to a very soulful, full sound. And then obviously if you got vocals on it you know that element you know the person telling the story needs to be true to what's going on too and and try to tell a valid story i mean a story somebody wants to hear because i don't want to hear about somebody you know uh getting their kid out of bed in the morning and, and driving them to school unless there's something interesting about that i mean but it's definitely more to tell than just i sold drugs and you know <laughs> yeah, that's true. i like girls. that's true yeah. i mean any artist can make any any story sound interesting i think but of course yeah the story itself has to be has to be a good story to tell yeah the story i mean if you tell me you just you ran across a couple of alien ships on the way to school <laughs> and if they sat down with you and said they like p-funk okay yeah i want to hear <laughs> you know like we came to your planet because of the p-funk <laughs> that's how we came <laughs> we have the signals in outer space <laughs> I want to hear that story. Uh, usually on the podcast, I like to ask uh, the guests a series of like uh, nerdy questions. So it's going to be a, probably like oh, a, nerd, yeah. a nerdier interview than you used to. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite Keanu Reeves movie? Uh, I still like the first, the the, the uh, very first Matrix. Uh, Excellent. It's just that's just a fifth groundbreaking historical uh, movie across the board. Uh, what's, who's your favorite, uh, Ninja Turtle? Uh, Ninja Turtle? Yeah. Oh, the rat. Cause he's, you know, he's Split. OG. Split. <laughs> he started, he started from the bottom, now he's here. So yeah, shout, yeah, shout yeah, out to Splinter. Shout, shout out to Splinter. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, 
Um, uh, did did you and your family dress up for Halloween? Oh, the Avengers. My wife was. What were you? Black Widow. Yeah. And my son was Thor because he's the strongest Thor and he's only three. And of course, me being the techno master guy who uh, likes cars, I, I was uh, Iron Man. <laughs> oh, that's pretty. That's pretty tight. Yeah, my, me and my family, we did we did like a group a group costume as well. So that, that, was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. What y'all do, Avengers? Uh, uh, we did uh we did uh, Steven Universe. That's like it's like a cartoon on Cartoon Network. That's that's uh, pretty big right now. So yeah, uh, my 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 son was like the titular the titular character uh, Steven Universe. So that that was pretty oh. fun. Yeah. Oh, no, he had no idea what was going on for Halloween. He's like almost two years old. He's like, he's like wait a minute. They, we, we go to their house and they give us candy. I'm, I'm kind of confused. Okay, we don't go in their house? Okay, okay. All right, this is cool. This is cool. Well, we get candy, so it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, uh, where can people find your music? Oh, my music. Uh, right now, uh, I'm on a SoundCloud as a... Oh, actually, jgraymusic, jgraymusic.com. I'm trying to integrate everything into just saying Drunken Monk, but I still got this this uh, J. Gray moniker as well. So jgraymusic.com. And uh, on um, on SoundCloud, I want to say, let me look real quick to, uh, uh, where, I, 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 as we I, do I, this. I can, link, I can put the link in the description so you don't, you don't have to know it off the top of your head. Okay. But, yeah, you tell, but you can just tell people where in general they can find you, like YouTube or Twitter. Like, oh, actually. Yeah, so if you go the the drunken monk on Spotify, I'm all over Spotify, uh, and that helps out the artist as well when you spin it there. Uh, jgraymusic.com is my website, and then on SoundCloud, just Jimmy Gray, SoundCloud.com forward slash Jimmy Gray, all in uh, that's where it is on SoundCloud, and those are the those are the main places. I, all my back my back catalog is all on iTunes. Uh, the Ghost Flow is probably my biggest album. As far as production and really showcasing my, you know, uh, and probably a year plus worth of work when it's that album. And then, uh, I put out a few, uh, EPs after that on DMT Flows. And then the first album we did with, the, uh, in Berkeley, Rude Boy. Uh, th- those three are all on iTunes. Word, word. Is there, is there a project out now or like upcoming that's going to be released soon? Oh, uh, the mixtape I just put out called, uh, uh, Throw Singles, um, it's on uh, Spinrilla under Drunken Monk. It's called uh, Throw Singles. It's under Drunken Monk. And I just released it on live mixtapes uh, under Drunken Monk, uh, the Throw Singles. And that was more or less just the music I did that was fun, talking about my exploits in my younger days in strip clubs and things like that. But it's all encoded. I don't just talk about things like, like – when I talk about something, you have to really listen because I'll, I'll say something and I'll kind of throw it throw it and people sometimes won't catch it but it'll if, you, if they listen to it it's like this dude did some crazy shit <laughs> Hell yeah. getting to those uh those tamarisu raps it's layered son there's layers to this yes yeah yeah that, that's what's more fun when you have to really listen and then you say oh this dude he really was he, he was out there <laughs> he ain't no pretty good you know he's got some he got some dirt <laughs> So, uh, yeah. where, and, uh, where are you gonna be performing? You said it was on Saturday, right? Saturday, uh, at the venue, Oakland on 14th, uh, opening for Joe Budden, and December 5th, uh, gonna be at, uh, opening for, uh, Earth the Jerk, and that's gonna be at, actually I got a ticket right here, that's at Club Leo's at 5447 Telegraph Avenue in Oakland, so I'll be doing that one December, and my, my birthday's December 6th, so I'm really hoping to have a lot of fun at both shows, but at December 5th show, 
if I'm there at midnight, it's my birthday is going to be on, so somebody will get some free drinks on me probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, our man is, is good chatting with you. Um, looking forward to meeting you on, on, on Saturday. Thanks for the love, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to put all the appropriate links you know, to your SoundCloud and uh, all, the, all that stuff uh, in the episode description. And um, everybody go ahead and follow the podcast, All Podcast Matter, on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. So thanks for listening. You guys have a good one. Peace. Lion-O. Lion-O. You battle cat, I'm Lion-O. Lion-O. I'm gripping leather, straight swagged out. Four in the morning, my whip wound out. Eyes bugging off that red bull. I'm switching lanes. I'm coming through across four states in eight hours. No piss breaks, no freaky showers. That serious on glass, my neck snaps. When the kicks pound, when the kicks pound. Don't ever sleep, all I do is grind. I'm down to play, gon' get mine. You snoozing, boy, I'm all in. I'm finishing up while you just begin. Lion-O, 0 and 12 and I'm 12 and 0. You sick and fast and I'm on the show. You asking why, you don't need to know. When I came in, you went out the door. I'm a traveling man. You stationary air, land, water, sea, homie. We gon' get you there. A rolling stone gathers no moss. If you stationary, can't be a freaking boss. If I hang around here too long, y'all start singing them old songs. I gotta stay one step ahead. Life always happens right on the edge. I don't know about what's coming. All I know is I'ma keep gun gunning. Right across the land in the steel piece. That engine roaring, let us out, please. You battle cat, I'm lying though. You 0 and 12, and I'm 12 and 0. You sinking fast, and I'm on the show. When I came in, you were not stoked. We all do, do what we got to keep that squirrel flowing, to keep them bottles popping. That's why we coming, coming to collect. We gotta clear the books, can't have no bad debt. All black heads up display, you won't see us coming in midday. Get our mind tricks, that's what we say when we get you to do the shit anyway. Stay icy cold like Jack Frost, get your way up at all costs. I'ma stay on point, keep my mind focused. You steady smoking that hocus pocus, you battle cat. I'm lying though, you 0 and 12 and I'm 12 and no. You sinking fast and I'm on the show. My tolerance is getting low. You asking why, you don't need to know. I'm lightning fast and you hella slow. When I came in, you went out the door, out the door. Your bottle cap Tell the pussy I ain't in a no bottle rack If I squeeze it, your brain and rattle that Then I bend up your frame and shatter that I move four degrees, but I'm in the track Jabbing round the earth, ready to attack Till the food all done, I ain't coming back I'll be up and down the field like a counter-attack Till I'm so empty and out the heart of the beef If you don't watch what you said when you open your teeth Ride a nigga from the gods, man, I open your teeth Can't step in my shoes, you're 20 socks to your feet Still too big, I'll be now here, what will you did? Stand strong in any war since Abe the kid No eight, I wanna shut you in your face for a chip Fast forward, I'll be Spending your life in a set Can't come around me if you're washing away Cause it gets on top, now the mind is straight Only time you give me stepping if it's pesky or fed But I didn't mind where I leave a pesky or dead For the other side pay cause I'm busy with a set Stunt round OG, I'll grip you in it And if it ain't coming off, I'll rip off in it And it's big for a set Nobody out here is worthy I was in a grind, now I turn to a vet Now they can't act like they 
ain't Barbie If it's global, heart still cold like a snowball I don't wanna hear no talk about phone call I'll be outside with a sign in the hole, yeah. yeah, bro, bro.